Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with Pastor Michael Hernandez of Reclaim Church in Hutto, Texas, in a message he's entitled, Can These Bones Live? Enjoy this message. So, the reason we showed, yeah, we showed all that is because we just remodeled our building. We just uh, made some, some more room in there and... And we're already talking about double services. We're talking about knocking the next wall, next wall over. There's a business on the other side, you know. They'll be gone soon, and maybe we'll. But uh, we just, God has been doing something uh, amazing out there. And man, I love being here, though. It's so fun to be here. I think there's something, you guys, as Jen was saying um, so graciously earlier, that there's something so special about this church. And you can feel you could just feel that unity in the room. And um, if you're new here, if, you know, maybe you, you've, it's your first time, second time, third time or whatever, um, you found a really good home. And it's, there's something, like I said, there's something special about uh, a church that loves Jesus and loves people. And this is that church. And it's not a perfect church because there's no such thing as a perfect church. But this, is, this place is pretty close. <laughs> it's pretty close. Um, but man, I, we, we appreciate all your prayers and everything that you guys have um, been doing for us. I know I've been here like every other week, and um, but you know, something. I'm going to teach you something a little bit. All right, real quick. When your pastor asks you to do something, you just do it. Okay. He said, "Hey, are you available to preach?" I said, "Pastor, if you would like me to preach, I will preach. If you say it, I'm there. I'll do it." And so I'm here, and I have a word today that I, I really believe that um, it's it's for this church and for you specifically. And the question and the, the title of the message is, can these, can these bones live? Can these bones live? In the book of Acts chapter 2, that's the day of, um, when they talk about the day of Pentecost. Something interesting that, I, that I'm going to kind of correlate to Acts 2 and Ezekiel chapter 37 is in both scenarios and both scriptures, there is a suddenly moment. And in the suddenly moment, there's, there's a wind in the breath of God. In the book of Acts, there was a suddenly moment as they were waiting um, in the upper room for the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to fall, and they begin to speak in new tongues. And it's when they preached to the to the thousands, and they were saved. Hold on, Jacob is texting me. Let me see what he says. He said, "Great video. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Jacob." (laughs) Um, And in the moment, in the moment after the Spirit comes. We see that Peter goes and he preaches with boldness. 3,000 people are added to the kingdom of God that day. How, how amazing. I still don't know how they did it without microphones, but I mean, it's pretty incredible. But the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 through 10 says this. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these, can these bones live? So I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. So I prophesied as I was commanded. See, when God says to do it, no matter what it looks like, just do it, right? Our, our job is not 
to, to figure out the outcome. Our, our job, and we're commissioned just, just to be obedient. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may, li- that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. I pray that you would, you would speak through me, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would minister what you want to say, God. Let nothing that I say be my own thoughts or my opinions, but Lord, let everything that is said be led by your spirit and founded on your word. We thank you for the privilege to learn and to be more like you. In Jesus' name. You could stay up here if you want, actually. If you want to, you don't have to. If you would like to. I'm, I, I think I'm also, I'm also dealing with the conference hangover. I'm like still tired. It's been a long week, long couple of weeks. So if I'm not yelling today, then um, let's, just, let's just take it for what it is, all right? Um, and these kind of questions that the Lord is asking Ezekiel are the kind of questions that really begin to challenge our faith. And he, he's asking Ezekiel, he takes him to the valley of dry bones, and he asks, can these bones live? But the, the interesting thing about this story is the timing of the question. Because it wasn't in a season of celebration for the children of Israel that God is asking this question. In fact, Israel was exiled during this time and in captivity. Not only was Israel considered exiles or they were exiles, but Ezekiel himself was an exile. He's in this season of captivity. He's a prophet, but still an exile. But even in that season, he was challenged to see something good. Even in that season where everything looked dead, he was challenged with the question posed by God. What you're looking at, as dead as, dead as it is, can it live? And I love his answer because I think it's an answer all of us would give. Well, I don't know. But you do. And I think when God, whenever God is posing these questions to us, most of the time it's rhetorical. Because he already knows the answer. And if you look at the time we're in now, I mean, it's just crazy. Have you guys seen the news lately? That's very hot, but it's okay. I'm like, mm. let's do an altar call. My time is done. <laughs> but the times that we live in today are really crazy. Like, we're in those kinds of times where I'm like, dang, why couldn't I be been born like 50 years ago? Or some, uh, no offense to those who were born 50 years ago. And you're, <laughs> let's, let's say 80 years ago, 100 years ago. I don't know. We have to go real far back, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But the, it's, it's crazy. You know, you have all these, um, the, the mandates and the vaccine and get it, don't get it. And, and we don't need to talk about that right now, all right? But like all these different things are happening and, you know, you see the, it's, to me, it's not even necessarily those things, but it's, it's the perversion that's creeping into the world today. It's, it's, you can't even let your kids watch kids shows anymore because it's so perverted. It's so, and the weird thing about it is it's accepted. 
there will be a time when they'll call good evil and evil good. And if you're not aware, and I think most Christians are, are too busy too busy in religion that we miss what God is actually, what is actually happening in the world around us. But if you're not aware of what's happening, it's, it's, it's this battle between good and evil. It's this fight. And, and I believe that when I was putting this message together and, and praying about these things, I felt the Spirit kind of prompt this question in me. As you look around and you see how evil it is, can these bones live? Can, can there be a, a move of God in such an evil time? Can there be revival, a revival of righteousness when there's so much perversion? Can there be a, a move of integrity and character when there's so, many, so much deceit? The question I believe that we have to ask is can, can we see God move today? And we, uh, listen, the truth is this, is we often say we believe that he can, but when's the last time you cried out for him to do it? Really, when's the last time you got on your face and you didn't just rely on your leaders to cry out for the change of the world? But when's the last time you got on your knees your restroom, in your living room, your bedroom, and you cried out for revival? When's the last time you cried out for souls? Pastor Callie, he's like the only guy that can get me to doubt my salvation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he's here on Sunday, and, and he, he talks about these things, reaching souls, and, and he puts his fire in us. But, but you know, you can hear those sermons on Sunday the sad part about it is a high percentage of Christians do not live it out. That's a fact. So God will challenge us to do things. Like I was at Rite Aid and we were getting Rite Aid ice cream because we don't have that in Texas. Two for $7. It used to be two for five. But you know, inflation. Messing up our ice cream prices. But I was in, in, we went up to the, the lady that was uh, checking us out, and the Lord said, you need to pray for her. I'm like, I just want to get my ice cream, and I just want to go. Like, God, she's making me wear a mask. So I said, hey, I don't know if you believe in the Lord or, or anything, but I just feel I want to pray for you. I don't know why. And she's like, I just got news that my cousin is, is they had a stroke, and they're hemorrhaging, and they, they don't think they're going to make it. She just got that news. And so I said, well, let's pray together. I was with my brother-in-law, and, and she, I grabbed her hand. She grabbed his hand, and he's just like, what is going on here? He kind of walked up into the middle of the conversation. We prayed together, and I said, you got to check out the church down the street. Uh, it'd be a good church for you. The reason I'm telling this story is because I'm trying to give you an example of how simple it can be. Now, we think that we have to, in order to change the world, that we have to go start an online ministry or, or we can't change the world until Pastor Omar gives us a microphone. But the truth is this, is that you can't, maybe you can't change the world, but you can change the world around you. And, and what would it look like? What would it look like if we stopped asking God to send revival 
and he's, we started asking him to send us to start it. Think about that. You're, we're on our knees and God send revival, send revival. And he's like, I'm, I'm trying, but you're, you're not doing anything. And this question can arise, can, can, can God still move today? And if we truly believe it, then we'll start to live it out. And, and, and Ezekiel was this one man who believed it. He said, yeah, I, I, I don't know God, but, but I know that you do. And whatever you ask me to do in order to see it happen, I'm going to do it. Same thing with Peter. Peter, the, we all know the story. He denies Christ three times, right? Right? You got to help me. I need breaks to drink this tea. Because I have to blow on it for like 30 seconds. I'm just, thank you, Jen, for bringing this. Appreciate it. Put ice in it. I hope I'm not boring you today. I, I just can't go crazy. That's all right. But, Paul, but, but Peter was this guy who denied Christ, but yet when he was commissioned by the Holy Spirit to preach a word, 3,000 people came into the kingdom because, because he believed that God could do it. And again, the question comes down, do you really believe that he can? Like, seriously, don't, don't just pin it on me because I have a mic. What are you doing? What are you doing to see God move? Some of us are still, we're still so busy fighting for our sin, trying to convince God that he's wrong and we know what's best for us. And the whole time it's like, man, if you would just understand that your sin is, is hindering, it's hindering you. It's stopping you from being everything that God has called you to be. The enemy wants you to stay in your sin because if we stay in our sin, then we stay distracted. If he can keep us distracted, then that's one less person he has to worry about that could actually change the world. You know what's funny is, is we look at pastors and preachers and, and, and we, we look to them and we're like, man, there's these, these guys that there must be something special about them and, and, and you know, I, I'll never be like that and all these different things. But the truth is this, there's nothing special about us. I love what Pastor Billy Hall says and, and man, that guy, he was, I, we, we were praying for like 30 seconds and he changed my life. But he's like, it's, it's an honor to be called a dirtbag for Jesus. And the truth is this, is that there's nobody that God cannot use. But we've convinced ourselves because I'm not smart enough, because I don't know enough, because I'm not good enough, because I'm, I haven't been going to church long enough, because I don't have the right family members, because well, all these different reasons, we've convinced ourselves that, that God has to use somebody else. He can't use me. But he just needs to find somebody that, that would say, only you know, Lord, what can I do to help you do what you want to be done on the earth? Our, our, one of our slogans is in our church, it's in, it's in Hutto as it is in heaven. Because we've commissioned, we've, we've, we've heard the voice of God and we've decided that, that we're gonna do whatever we can at our church to establish heaven on earth. Honestly, I'm, I'm a nobody. We're seeing move, moves of God that I, honestly, I didn't think we would see for another five, 10 years. 
There's a lady that was in our church that she had to go to surgery. She wrote, I don't, honestly, I don't even know what it is. They didn't give me enough detail. Well, I still need to sit down and talk with her about it. But she wrote on a prayer card. She's like, hey, I need prayer. I'm going into surgery. We went, we prayed for her. Or no, excuse me, a lady in our church, a leader in our church saw the card. She said, I, she said, I felt the Lord tell me to go find her and pray for her. She ran out to the parking lot. The lady was in her car. She just prayed with her, laid her hands on her. That was it. She went to the doctor. They cut her open. And they said, there's nothing to be done here. And they shut her up. They closed her up. And how, how awkward is that, huh? Like, oh, hey, everything's good. Just, there's another lady in our church. I won't give you the details of it, but she came into our church with, with, with severe PTSD in her life. Severe. In a moment in worship, she starts speaking very loudly. And we prayed for her. And in that moment, she was completely delivered. She tells us all the time, she's like, I, I dealt with that for X amount of years. And in a moment, God changed my life. But this is the thing is I'm a nobody. You know, I didn't, I didn't graduate high school. I'm an OFL dropout. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't graduate high school. I didn't go to college. I never went to theology school. Sometimes I put messages together that it's definitely the Holy Spirit because, <laughs> but my point to you is this, is that, is that if I can do it, you can do it. God just needs somebody who would cry out. And, and the interesting thing about the moment of this is, as well is, as the captivity, it says this, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Jewish custom was that if it, it was a dishonor if you were not buried. It was shameful. But now Ezekiel is standing in a valley of unburied bones. Shameful place for the children of Israel. A shameful place, an ugly place to be. It was, it was a glimpse of the shame and the hopelessness, the state of Israel. It's, 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 a, it's a, I guess, a metaphor of, of what was actually happening, that they were dead and in a shameful place. It's a, the valley is a representation of a dark season, of a dark time, of a shameful place. Anybody ever been in a place like that? You know those, those times of your life that you're like, man, I wish nobody would, just don't look at me. I don't want anybody to come over my house. I don't want anybody to look into my life. I don't want to, I, you know, that's a, the times when you come to church late and you leave early. Because I don't want anybody to see what's happening. It's a rough season, but the truth is this, is that God finds all of us in a place like this. Ephesians 2.11 says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is, this is where we were before Christ. And this is where some of you are today, spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. See, I've been in this church, well, I mean, I guess we merged together when I was like nine or 10 years old technically I've been in the church since I was nine years old 
I know what it's like to go to church and not know Jesus. I know what it's like to go to church and be spiritually dead. I know what it's like to play the part. I know what it's like to try to look good in front of everybody so nobody really knows what's happening within your own life. I know what that's like to be ashamed of your sin and, and not really want anybody to ask about you because, because if you know you have those thoughts that if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't want to use me. If Pastor Omar really knew what I thought and how I felt, he would never come talk to me. He would never shake my hand. Pastor Isaac would never want to spend time with me. The leaders that I have in my life, they, if they really knew what I was dealing with, they wouldn't want me. Anybody ever dealt with that? But, but God knows everything. He knows all things. And even in our darkest valleys where we're full of shame and guilt and sin, that is right where God will stand and call us. It's in our darkest place that God will call us out. And we have this moment of awakening. You know, like those moments where you're like, wait a minute. Maybe it's after you hear a sermon from Pastor Omar, or maybe it's just after this conference that we attended. And you have those moments of, wait a second, you're telling me that the life that I live now, I don't actually have to live like this forever. You're telling me that, that what, I, when I, what I thought was religion, you, you mean that there's more to this than just going to church? We have this moment of awakening that, that I don't have to remain this way. I don't have to remain dead. You're telling me that I have a purpose and there's a, there's a destiny on my life. There's these moments of awakening when the Spirit of God will reach down to our deepest, darkest valleys. God didn't take him to the mountaintop. He took him to the valley because God does his best work in the darkest places. God does, it's okay, you can clap, it's all right. It's, I know, I think it's because the piano's on. They're like, can, I, can we clap during the piano? God does his best work in the darkest places. The place that was meant for shame was a place of resurrection. Isn't that great? The place, the darkest place the enemy took you to is your place of resurrection. So I've had those nights, guys. I've had those days when you're sitting by yourself and you're like, man, I, I can't go through this anymore. I can't do this anymore. And you're your darkest place. I'm just going to be honest with you for a second. Is that all right? Is that okay? I'm going to get vulnerable. Is that all right? Pastoring is not easy. And there's been moments in my darkest times where, where I wanted to quit. I wanted to run. Things ran through my mind that I never thought would run through my mind. And I sat there in my darkest place at the, that I didn't know, but little by little, the enemy was dragging me there with, with th different thoughts and different actions. And, and now you're in, you ever been there? You're in that place and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. But it's that place that the Lord looks he grabs you from there and he starts to speak to you he starts to talk to you no 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 no. you're not you're not who you used to be no that's not meant for you 
that old life is it's it's a lie and he, and he starts to speak the truth to us and and in the darkest moments is where we find our resurrection it's a place of shame god will take us out of the darkness and bring our dead bones to life he didn't just put them together he breathed life into them but you look into the scripture and before this, the Spirit of God was breathed into them. It says, it says they, they were put together. They were breathless bodies. There, was, there were just a lot, of, a lot of bodies there. Nothing could be done through them because there was no life inside of them. See, sometimes we as Christians, we can look whole. But we're really dead inside. Is this, is this helping anybody? Is this speaking to anybody? We can, we can look like we have it all together, but, but something in us is just not right. They looked like they were living, but they were, they were actually dead. They were missing something. They were missing something. This is my fear for the church today. And, and, and why, why, do, why am I even bringing this up? Because you can see that today we have a lot of powerless Christians. We have a lot of Christians that are all talk with no action. We don't witness to people, not because we don't love people, because the Spirit's not telling us to, because we don't even know Him. Powerless Christians... We don't pray for the sick because we don't really believe that he's a healer. Powerless Christians. We don't preach the gospel because we don't, we don't really believe that there's a hell. Powerless Christians. Now, this is not anybody in this church, right? Of course, this is, this is just generally speaking. But imagine if we all believed it. Like a Christian without the spirit. Matthew 23 verse 27 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones. You look, you look great on the outside. But on the inside, you're dead. You know, I'm out of the camera light. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. I feel like it's just kind of like story night tonight, all right? If, it's, if that's all right. I was at I was at the gym, and I was playing basketball. This is obviously a long time ago, but um, <laughs> this is pre-COVID. Um, and I was playing basketball, and there's this kid. He's there all the time, and and I noticed he had a broken wrist. Like he couldn't move. He had. A, he was still playing basketball. Like, bro, what are you thinking? But anyway, he had a he had a. Um, brace on his wrist and I felt the Lord you need to go pray for him I'm like man God what if you don't heal him though it's gonna look really crazy like I don't want to just pray for this kid he's like no no you need to go pray for him so I was like alright he's like and so I went up to him like hey man like I just want to pray for you bro what's wrong with your wrist he's like dude I, I fractured it I can't move it a certain way and I was like well let me just pray for you and let's just see what happens and I just put my hand on his on his wrist and I begin to pray for him and he's like whoa what the he starts saying things I can't say on this microphone. And he's like, he's like, 
He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, I couldn't, I couldn't do any of this before. He's like, what are you, what is going on? And he texts me, I gave him my number and he texts me. He's like, you know, I, I went to church, but I never really believed that there was a God until today. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you again, again, is because what, I, what do I mean by, by spirits? Like we look good, but we're actually dead. Is that we, we, we go to church and we play the part and, and we come Sunday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday. If you're extra, if you're extra clean, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you do, you have this routine of Christianity. But the problem is Christianity to, uh, to us, sometimes all it means is church attendance. But there's a world that is dying, that is crying out for something that somebody would show them the truth. That somebody would say, hey, you got cancer. Let me pray for you and actually believe that it can be healed. That we as Christians would, would, would stop worrying so much about what people think, about how we look on the outside. And start living a life that says, Jesus, what do you want me to do? I was sitting with Pastor Omar the other day and we were, we were talking about discipleship and he's like, man, Jesus only had 12 guys and they changed the entire world. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, how many people are in this room right now? How, like, imagine if all of us like today went out instead of just, just going home and going to the gas station and, and instead of just living our life, but we actually realize I'm an ambassador of heaven, that I've been commissioned by God to make a difference on the earth, that I'm not here just to fill a seat, but I'm here to, I'm here to save the lost. Can I tell you that when we went to Texas, it wasn't because we can get a nice house, although thank God it happened, you know what I mean? I'm sorry that we live in Texas, right? But, but we said, God, whatever you want us to do, my life is yours. My life is yours. How I don't want to get to heaven. And Jesus looks at me and is like, well, what did you even do with my son? Have you ever thought about the end of your life when you're standing before the throne of God with eyes like fire and he's staring into your soul? Have you ever thought how you're going to answer to him with how you lived your daily life? My goal is that when I get to him, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, that I would enter into eternal paradise with my father. Now I don't have it all together. I'm not over there praying for people 24-7, although maybe I should. But I'm here today to challenge you that somebody would say, yes, God, these bones can live. Yes, God, this can be changed. Yes, God, there can be a revival. Yes, God, it could start with me. And what I love about what happens with Ezekiel is God doesn't step in and do the work himself necessarily. But he prompts Ezekiel and says, prophesy. Prophesy. I want you to be a part of what I'm going to do. Prophesy. And I like it because towards the end he says it twice. He's like, prophesy. Yeah, prophesy, Ezekiel. Like there's like this, like he's pumping him up. Like just speak it, speak it. Because if you speak it, I'll do it. Some of us 
are so far from the heart of God that we don't even know what he wants us to speak. Some of us are so far from God that we're not even close enough to hear his voice when we're shopping for our groceries. I'm honestly, I'm afraid to lose him. That's honestly, I'm afraid to lose him. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds, a, finds treasure in a field and goes sells everything that he has to buy that treasure. I don't ever want to lose him. I want to be close to him where I can hear his voice. And he says, go pray with that person. Again, I love the revivals that we see. The um, I don't know if they do them anymore, but like the tent revivals. And I love all that stuff. I think that's cool. I love the the park revivals where they're praying for people at the park and all that's wonderful don't get me wrong but I think it's I think more will change when we would just be Christians every day love our neighbor hear the voice of God so he he, he breathes into this army and he prophesies and I'm going to end here so if we could have Daisy come up no I'm kidding <laughs> this great, this, this, this body of, of people just standing there, right? He's like prophesying, he prophesies and, and the bones come together and, and, and now there's just a great crowd of people. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they, looked, they lived and they stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army God didn't breathe life into you just to stand the Holy Spirit didn't put his breath into your life just to be another church goer he didn't put his breath into your body just to be a better husband just to be a better wife some of us still need some work on that one amen he didn't, just, he didn't just call you to be a good person. An exceedingly great army. It was an army, not a crowd. A crowd gathers to watch. A crowd ga- uh, gathers to experience something. A crowd gathers just to spectate what's going on. How many crowds were around Jesus and only 120 in the upper room? Because a crowd will gather just to see what's going on over there. But God is not raising up crowds. He's raising up armies. And armies come to fight. Armies come with a mission. Armies come with something in their mind and their heart that they're passionate about. That I'm called not to just be here, but I'm called to make a difference. Church, 
You're called to make a difference. You're called to be witnesses of the Lord. read this in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 through 8 and being assembled together with him he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me for John truly baptized with with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now therefore when they had come together they asked him saying Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Who is a witness of the Lord? Witnesses are those who receive the Holy Spirit with power. If your life hasn't been changed, then you've not experienced the Holy Spirit. You've experienced a good moment, but the Holy Spirit will change everything about you. He is that breath that is breathed into the dead bodies. He is the breath that comes into those who, like us, were in a place of shame and pain and hurt and sin separated from God it was the Holy Spirit but who receives the Holy Spirit who is who is good enough to receive the Holy Spirit it's 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 purely by his grace that we receive the Holy Spirit but the ones who receive the Holy Spirit are the ones who wait on him are the ones who wait on him what do I mean by wait? I don't just mean physically wait. I mean, it's, it means to prioritize him above everything else in your life. Everything. I want to change the world. I believe that these bones that we're looking at in the world today, in, in, the, in our country, in our cities, I believe that they can live. I'm just crazy. I, I'm telling you, I tell my churches all the time, we're going to change the state of Texas. Some little church in the city that nobody knows about. We're going to change the state. Because I believe that these bones can live. Not only do I believe that the bones can live, I want to be close enough to his heart that I can speak in a way that brings them to life. That I can prophesy his heart. So today the challenge to you is this. Do you believe there could be a move of the Spirit? What are you doing about it? Those are the two questions that only you you can answer. Do I truly believe that God can move today? And what am I doing about it? Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. If you want to hear some yelling, you can go back to my sermon a couple weeks ago. And now the tea is, the temperature is perfect.
today you're in the room and you don't, you don't know Jesus, you're not walking with him. You can know Christ. You can know him. Intimately walking with the Lord. You can know Jesus. But today you're far from him. You're not walking with Jesus today. You're not, you don't have that relationship with him. Well, you're saying, man, there's something in me. There's, there's this prompting in my spirit. There's this prompting in my heart that says I need to meet Jesus. I need to know him. Well, this is the truth. This is the gospel that we believe in is that, is that Jesus Christ came as, as a baby. And he lived a sinless, perfect life. He did ministry and he healed the sick and he casted out demons and he, and he restored lives and, and he did so many great things on the earth but, but the world hated him because they loved their sin. And it was the sin of the world that put Jesus on the cross and on that cross he was beaten, he was bruised, there was a, a crown of thorns placed on his head. He was humiliated, he was slapped, he was spit on with the full power to stop every single strike that was coming his way, he took it on, all of it, so that he can take the punishment of our sin. But it wasn't just the cross that was the punishment, because as he's hanging there, he cries out to his father and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment on the cross, the eternal connection between the Father and the Son was, was separated because of our sin. And He was forsaken by the Father who He had intimacy with for all of eternity. And then He's, he's put in a tomb and three days later he, ra he, he, he raises from the dead and he, he walks the earth and He does miracles and there's witnesses and there's history behind all this. History supports the resurrection of Jesus. This is not a made-up story. This is not just a religion. Jesus is alive today. And he did all that. So you can be in right standing with the Father. So that you don't have to pay the price for your sins. The scripture says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. It's for those who put their faith in Jesus, in Jesus alone. But it's not just a prayer. It's saying, Lord, I'm giving you my life, everything about me, my hobbies, my dreams, my goals, my sin, my, my relationships, my friendships, Jesus, everything in my life belongs to you. It's a surrender life. Jesus says, if you, if you want to you keep your life, you have to lose it. If you want to find your true life, you've got to lose your earthly one. So today you're saying, I don't, I'm not walking with Jesus. I'm not saved, but I want to be. If that's you, just raise your hand. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.